Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from the Horsham Church of Christ. For more information, please visit our website at www.horsham.org.au. Good morning. Cute kids, hey? That's uh, Amber and Savannah Korf, and if the Korf family is watching, they're not here today. I hope you, you enjoyed that. Thank you so much. I loved uh, the regular nudges throughout the uh, readings as they gave them. I think somebody once said, never worked with kids and animals. That's a lie. I haven't worked with animals, but working with kids is a delight. It's technology that is the bane of my life. You would have noticed the microphones cutting in and out, and I apologise for that, but the kids did a great job to bring us the reading for today. I, I loved uh, Amber and Savannah reading that together and those nudges that they were giving to each other. For me, it was, maybe I'm making too much of it, but if Gary can turn a hunting story into a communion talk, then I can take Amber and Savannah and turn it into a, a message on discipleship. Because that's what I think discipleship is like, that we disciple one another and we actually nudge each other and remind each other of what we're actually here for and remind each other to be focused and to bring each other back to what we're meant to be doing, back for the reason that we're in, whatever the place might be, but to be disciples of Jesus, to be followers of Jesus. I saw another great example of some encouragement from one person, from an older person to another person, um, watching the cricket yesterday. How many people love the cricket? We've got some work to do. That's really sad. We'll pray for you and the Australian cricket team. We need to win this test. But there was some footage of Justin Langer, who is the current Australian cricket coach, doing a fantastic job talking to Marnus Labuschagne. Marnus Labuschagne is like the number three or four test batsman in the world at the moment and scored a century in Australian's opening innings. And some of you have no idea what I'm talking about right now. Just, it's fantastic, all right? Marnus is great, Justin is great, Australia's doing a good job. But here's Marnus, who's scored a century, the highest scorer for the Australian team in the test so far. Having a conversation, we couldn't hear the conversation between Justin and Marnus, but we could see the conversation between Justin and Marnus. And Justin's a fiery kind of guy, like wears his heart on his sleeve, always has. And he's, he's, uh, he's there, Simon, you're here, that's great. I can have it, can you come up here please, mate? I need to demonstrate so people know. I know that this is not what you wanted on your holidays. Just come on, quick. Correct. So you be Manus, and I'll be Justin. <laughs> you have to come over this side because it was the other way. And Justin's talking to Marnus, all fired up, very passionate, all right? And remember, Marnus, highest scorer for Australia. And here's Justin in Marnus's face, in Marnus's eyes, and having this conversation. And every now and then throughout it, he'd just be like this. <laughs> and it was just like three or four times, wasn't it? Justin was like this on Marnus, and Marnus would have a question, and, and Justin would reply. And it was just, I just watched it and I saw it. I'm like, that is what we're actually meant to be like as brothers and sisters in Christ. Maybe, maybe not the punching of the arm. Thank you so much. You can sit down now. Thanks, <laughs> Thanks for being here. Maybe, and, and I know I've, I can be a bit strong-handed. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. But just that 
up in your grill, reminder, strong encouragement to keep going, to fix our eyes on the prize, to not lose focus. And we might have had a win yesterday, we might have had a loss yesterday, or we might feel like our entire life is a loss. But to come alongside and for elders to speak into young people's lives and even for younger people to speak into their elders' lives and with a nudge on the elbow or a slap on the arm or a pat on the back or whatever it might be to say, let's keep looking towards Jesus. Over the course of this week, particularly getting ready for today, I've had a real heavy heart that I don't think we're doing a great job of that. And I like to be fun, and I like to be funny, and Gary's done that for us today. Thank you, Gary. Because this doesn't feel like a real fun message, but it feels like the message that we kind of need to be talking about. Because it feels like in the world today, it's really easy to get distracted. It's really easy to allow a myriad of voices into our lives, into our lounge rooms, into our phones, into our spirits and our souls that are more prominent, that are louder, that are way more dangerous than anything Jesus ever gives to us. And somewhere along the way, we seem to just give permission for whatever the opinion might be. Well, all opinions are valid and truth is relative rather than absolute truth. And it, you know, it is what you make it and it's up to you. And we kind of just get deeper and deeper into this lie, into this self-preservation, this self-seeking that actually detaches us from being sons and daughters of God and from being followers of Jesus Christ, whatever that might look like. Because I I think it's different for every single one of us what it is to follow Jesus. But I think there are some truths about what it is to follow Jesus. And we see in these readings today, we'll go over them shortly, we see in these readings that Jesus calls for, for the apostles, for the group of 12, the inner 12 that he has in this group of disciples, that he calls people from a bunch of different backgrounds, a, a fairly limited culture, to join with him and to follow him and to submit and lay down their lives for his purposes and his glory. And the reason that I'm kind of feeling the weight of this is because we had two funerals during this week. One was to celebrate the life of Bill Netherway on Monday and to hear the stories of a man of faith, a quiet man, very few words, but apparently had the best plums in the region and who loved Jesus and loved his family. And the very next day we hosted a funeral in this building for a guy that died sooner than he should have through an accident, a tragic accident, who I would say doesn't know Jesus. And I cannot get rid of the weight that there are people in our city, in our state, in our nation dying without knowing Jesus. And they celebrated his life because he was a good guy, he had good fun, he had a good time, he lived fast. And I just kept thinking, for what? Because now it all means squat. Now it all means squat. And I don't know if this is like a midlife crisis or a midlife awakening that I'm going through, 
but I just am growing in this eternal mindset that this is really short. This time that we have here is a mist. And that there are plenty of people, maybe there's some of you in this room today that don't have a relationship with Jesus. And there's lots of people outside this building right now that don't have a relationship with Jesus. And if you watch the news, if you watch social media, if you're into that at all, there's plenty of good reasons why they don't. Because one of the things, one of the commands, one of the instructions, the encouragements Jesus gave to his disciples as they shared in the Last Supper, is he said, by this the world will know that you are my disciples. What was the measure? By the way that you love one another. And we live in a world that is crying out for love, crying out for hope and finding in all sorts of weird and wonderful ways that are so short-lived and don't measure up and will not last into eternity. And my fear is that some of it is because you and I as Christians, as followers of Jesus, are not showing the world the love of God because we're not displaying that love to each other. Praise be to Jesus, we don't have to wear masks next week because looking at most of you now, I've got folded arms and masks, so it's just really blank. So I'm just... I'm making no judgments about what you're thinking and feeling right now. Through this, I want us to hear the story of Jesus calling the disciples and to hear that call once again for ourselves and to be reminded of who it is that we actually follow, of who we're invited to follow, of a man, the Son of Man, the Son of God, who laid down his life so that you and I could actually have eternal life with our Father in heaven. There's no greater gift. There's nothing better. Nothing better. And as much as I love that hymn, Gary, because he lives, I can face tomorrow, it's not just about tomorrow. And it's not even just about me. It's because he lives. And because he lives, there is a world dying to know that he lives. And that is up to us. That's up to us. And it starts with the way that we follow Jesus and then with the way that we love one another. Jesus came along and called um, these 12 men in particular Proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, Jesus said in Mark 1.15, the kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. Repent and believe the good news. He calls Simon and, and, and his brother Andrew. And then it goes on and he calls James and John sons of Zebedee. I've never noticed it before, but they're all fishermen. Simon and Andrew were casting a, lake, a net into the lake. And they left their nets there and followed Jesus. James and John, also fishermen, left their father and their boats and their father's employees. They left the family business to follow Jesus. So Peter and Andrew, they leave their nets. 
James and John leave their family and their family business to follow Jesus. This would have been radically shocking for those in the first century listening to this. And it reminds me that each and every one of us, when we follow Jesus, we actually, when, when we receive Jesus, when we respond to that call of Jesus on our lives, every single one of us must respond. And some people say no, but for all of us, maybe for anybody that's a follower of Jesus here, we've said yes. And that's required that we lay down our lives and let go of everything that we hold on to aside from Jesus. And the stunning thing is that we can actually continue in those things. We continue in our family life, continue in business life, yet with Jesus as Lord of them all. So that we could bring glory and honour to him and so that we could actually see people repent and declare that the good news of Jesus Christ. Jesus calls these men and he goes on and in Mark 2 we, hear, we read the story of the calling of Levi Again, at the lake, the side of the lake. And he calls Levi, son of Alphaeus, uh, this is Mark 2, verse 14, sitting at the tax collector's booth, follow me, Jesus told him. Levi got up and followed him. I love that Levi gets up, follows Jesus, and then Jesus is having dinner at Levi's house with many tax collectors and sinners. And then... The teachers of the law, the Pharisees, see Jesus eating with these sinners and the tax collectors because the Pharisees wouldn't have been eating with them. It said, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And on hearing this, Jesus answers them, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners. I've not come to call the righteous, but I've come to call sinners. I've not come for the healthy, but the sick. See, I think about the fact that there are a lot of people in this world that don't know Jesus and I, and I take a lot of personal responsibility for that because not just as a follower of Jesus but as a pastor in a church that leads a congregation that helps to lead that, I think I've got some work to do in actually training and equipping for us to be disciples of Jesus. At the same time, there's an onus on every single one of us to actually pull aside, to go, Jesus, I commit to following you with my whole entire life. Teach me what that looks like. Teach me what that looks like. Jesus calls 12. He calls a whole bunch of disciples. Um, in Mark chapter 3, a crowd of disciples, a whole group. I'm not sure if you know this or not, but there were more disciples than just the 12. There was a whole bunch of people that followed after Jesus to learn from his ways. And when Jesus calls these men and they become his disciples, the, the culture was that they would rely on Jesus for pretty much everything. So you see in other parts of the scripture that there were particularly women that would provide for their needs, that would meet their needs, that would feed them and look after them as they went about doing their ministry. And there was a whole group of disciples that followed Jesus, that would lean on his teachings, that would learn his ways, um, see what he did, and then be able to do likewise. And then we get to Mark 3, verse 13. Jesus goes up on a mountainside and called to him those he wanted. And they came to him. He appointed 12 of those disciples, and he designated them apostles, depending on your translation. We'll have designating them apostles that they might be with him, and that he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. 
These are the twelve he appointed. Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter. James, son of Zebedee and his brother John. To them he gave the name Boanerges, which means sons of thunder. You've got to wonder what James and John are like at that moment, don't you? If their nickname is sons of thunder. Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. And so he calls these 12 um, and designated them apostles. So they are given the same authority as Jesus has. So the whole idea here is that when they go out, when they speak, when they cast out demons, when they heal the sick, they don't do it as themselves, they do it as though it's Jesus there doing it himself. This is like, for, for people listening to this story in first century, they would have thought back to Moses and Aaron, the story of Moses and Aaron being called by God to go into Egypt and to bring freedom to the slaves. And God says to them, when you speak, it will be as though I'm speaking. And so Jesus calls this, this small group of men and arms them with authority and power like he has. So that when they go out and speak, to actually turn whatever space they go into to be like the kingdom of heaven, they would do it as though it's Jesus himself. The crazy thing is that this is the same power and authority that you and I have today. I know, it's exciting, isn't it? But we've lost it. We haven't lost the power and authority. I don't believe that we've lost the power and authority. We can actually walk in this, but somewhere along the way, we've lost our understanding of what it is to actually be disciples following Jesus, disciples making disciples, disciples encouraging disciples to be followers of Jesus. Um, I'm probably a bit too simplistic. People say, so what does it mean? What does it look like to be a follower of Jesus? How do I begin being a follower of Jesus? Well, one is being in community. It starts with saying yes to Jesus, but one aspect is being in community. Not just community when it suits us, but sacrificial community that actually shows up. And I'm not just talking about Sunday gatherings. I'm, I'm just talking about being present to the people around us and encouraging the people around us to be present to us, being authentic in our relationships, not wearing a spiritual mask to pretend like everything is peachy, but being present. I would say reading your Bible every day. I would say praying every day. And I know we've, most of us would have different reasons or excuses or whatever about why we can't do that, why we don't have time. I don't know. My, my, my hope my hope and my ongoing prayer is that Jesus would stir the fire in us once again 
that he would rekindle the flame of our first love. Not just so that we would be comfortable about where we're going when we die. I know where I'm going when I die. That's not up for grabs. What's up for grabs is how many people do I actually declare the good news of Jesus Christ to before I make it into eternity, before I get to heaven? How many people will I let know about the kingdom of heaven before I die? It's got to be more than this. I love you. I love all of you. And there's no shame, there's no guilt, there's no condemnation. I'm preaching to myself just as much. I'm like, how many, Lord, how many people am I actually going to lead into an encounter with you? And I know like, it is good that as followers of Jesus that we love our family well, absolutely do that. It's as followers of Jesus that we work hard, that we're diligent in the things that we do, in the things that we oversee, in our relationships with our colleagues, in our wider family, in being devoted to prayer, in encouraging and equipping one another. But how many people will I actually share the good news of Jesus Christ? If I, like the, the original disciples and the apostles, have the authority to drive out demons if he sends me out to preach. How many people on my watch repent and believe the good news? Because it's not, it's, not, it's not this onerous task that we have to do because we're followers of Jesus. It's a privilege and a responsibility to walk in the power and authority of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. So it's like an awesome gift that we've been given. Jesus sat with his disciples, with the apostles during the Last Supper and said to them, you've seen the works that I've done. He said to the Pharisees, if you don't believe on the account of the, what I say, believe me on the account of the things that I do. And then he said to his disciples, greater things than these you will do. And some argue, well, it's not just about doing even better than what Jesus has done, because it's hard to outdo Jesus. Some say it's doing more numerically than Jesus has done, in terms of how many people we lead into the kingdom, that we introduce into the kingdom. Here's my measure, and here is why I believe that my family were called back to Horsham. We are a church of 250, 300 people, regular attendance. We live in a city of 15,000 people, in a region of 40,000 people. Now, I'm not even talking about Victoria and Australia, but our city alone, I would say... 10% have, if that, maximum, have a personal relationship with Jesus. And I reckon, those of you who have heard me talk before, I'm going to live till I'm 100. I'm going to meet my great-grandbabies. That gives me just under 60 years for an entire city to be saved. And that's, it's not just up to me. It's up to us as followers, as disciples of Jesus. Like I said, there's no shame, there's no guilt, there's no condemnation. This is, this is my sadness at burying a 32-year-old man who enjoyed a good time, but 
is now not spending eternity with his creator. I guess it was like a wake-up call for me. Like I needed another one. Let's commit to being followers of Jesus, of living in community, of seeking his face. Do you know David, a man after God's own heart, wrote there's one thing that he longs for, and it's to dwell in the house of the Lord and to gaze upon his beauty. There's one thing. For a man after God's own heart. I'm sorry, this feels really... Messy, but I think that's what life is like. I think that's what discipleship is like. There's more than us just showing up every Sunday and ticking our Christian boxes. I know that's not what you're doing. I know. There is a world dying to meet Jesus. And so much noise drowning out the message of the kingdom of Jesus Christ right now. And the only way to be louder than the noise is to not make more noise about being judgmental Christians, but to actually show the world what love looks like. By loving each other, loving the world around us. Will you stand with me? So, Father, we're asking that you would set a fire in our souls. That would seek your face above all else. That would transform the world that we live in by the way that we love you and the way that we love one another. As we finish this time today and just as we're in this place of prayer, is there anybody here today I just want to invite you, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, Jesus has done, done it all, has gone to the cross, has risen from the dead, that he would purchase you for the Father, that you would have an eternal relationship with the Father. Is anyone here today that does not yet have that personal relationship with Jesus that says, Lord, I don't want to go another day without knowing you, that I choose you. If that's you, I just invite you to raise your hand. I just want to know that you're here today, that we can pray with you, that we can meet with you, that we can celebrate that you want to give your life to Jesus. And maybe if you're watching online right now and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I invite you maybe connect with somebody that you know that is a follower of Jesus or you can contact us as Linda will let you know shortly. But don't let another day go by without saying yes to Jesus and letting him be Lord of your life.
So, Father, would you bless each and every one of us to be aware of the power and the authority that we walk in, that we would encourage one another to be, live as disciples of Jesus Christ, that you would remind us of our first love, that that flame would be stoked within us, that we would lay it all down at your feet, Lord, to worship you, to exalt you with every aspect of our lives, and may we love one another. And may we share the good news of Jesus Christ that we would transform the city and the world that we live in.